you know, I'm I'm recording this on Sunday morning, and I, I mean, I almost wasn't gonna play music, cause I was like, ah, like it's a Sunday, you know, maybe just you know a little bit, be a little bit more calm. I don't really need music, but like, I I I need music, y'all. I'm not even gonna hold you. I need music, and there's no more fitting music for me to play today than just you know a little. Y'all don't even know what it is when I saw the energy switching this. Came through with a bad bitch and tight britches. Made the whole book on flight, I'm Ooh. tight vicious. Black boy flies, stupid racks, oysters on my plate. So much bread, I think I got white privilege. Access to five-star rooms and white bitches. I dreamed it like being Cosby, dreamed a white Christmas. At the shows, fucking on the slutty snow bunnies. I done came to the conclusion that I only like sisters. And that might be a hard pill to swallow for a few. She had dreams of fucking cold, and even her father would approve. Yes, yeah. honey, you can fuck him. Look what a dollar bill <laughs> do. Make them bougie bitches working up and proud of smiling too. Yeah, I know you hate a nigga, but I'm still smiling too. Will that be all, sir? That'll do. Get money at a two. You aren't supposed to catch no feelings, bitch. We had a rule. Netflix, when you come through, they ask. You niggas still watching on the TV prop. She give me dome, I catch some Z's, I call her ZZ Top. I keep it PG when you see me, but I he he not. You go against the mob, you might just get your pinky chop. I can't believe he think he hot in his CD flop. Hey, I done seen too many white folks in dashiki. Stop. Cold bitch, the flow switch like every fall. I was very poor, now I ball like a young Demi Moore, Henny poor on any floor, pain seeping out my memory's pause, Lord forgive me for the times I didn't follow, it was reflected in my music, all my shit was hollow, but now I spit with hollow tips and follow with the pyro, I politic oh ride the distant, call out sick tomorrow, I'm ill. Fuck how you feel. Don't need no goofy ass Richard Mill for your bitch to tell that I'm rich as hell. Woo! Nigga. You know what I mean? And that'll be all, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. I appreciate you for coming out tonight. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. If you'll check us next time, same time, same locations. <laughs> we know the fuck shit up every time we step on this motherfucking stage. That's right. And this is just a mix of ah. You asked for it. You asked for it. What up? What up? Woo! Yo, that Dreamville Gangster Grills mixtape? Yo. And I think for me, like, uh, Gangster Grills tapes, I think they, they really came to prominence around, like, it's like my, my high school slash college years. Uh, that's when like, you know, and, and I remember just anytime like an artist had a Gangsta Grills mixtape, like I got put on to a lot of artists through Gangsta Grills mixtapes. That's how I, I got introduced to like Big Sean. Um, that's how I think people really, uh, that's where like Wayne really like grew his like best rapper alive, like profile at that time. It was through the DJ drama tapes. like. The, the drama tape is where it was at. Those drama mixtapes are better than a lot of albums. And that's what we saw with this uh, Dreamville one. This Dreamville Gangster Grills tape, which I did not know was coming out. I found out about it the day before it dropped. And I was ecstatic. And, yeah, it is just a, oh, just, just a masterpiece. Mm. Chef's kiss, people. Chef's kiss. All right.
uh, <clears throat> intro time, of course. Welcome one, welcome all to episode number 64 of the What Are We Even Talking About podcast, and I am your host, Izzy. And today, got a bunch of topics, got a bunch of things to get into. A pretty hefty list. Recording this on a Sunday. Typically, I like to record on Saturday nights, sometimes Thursday nights. I rarely ever record on Sundays, mainly because obviously the editing time and, and all that stuff. But it's a special weekend, so we do special things. All right? So the reason why I'm recording on Sunday, it's WrestleMania weekend, people. It is WrestleMania weekend. So, wanted to be able to record the pod and be able to talk about night one of WrestleMania weekend, talk about the Hall of Fame ceremony, talk about everything that I can about WrestleMania weekend. And then I'll be able to next week talk about night two, Sunday night, WrestleMania weekend, and the Raw after WrestleMania and all of that stuff. All right? So... We're we're gonna save that to the end. Though. We'll save all my WrestleMania weekend chatter till the end. All right, because there's just there's so much to cover, so much has happened. Um, I'd be remiss to not. So last week's episode was recorded on Saturday, right? Uh, much to my chagrin, of course. Uh. Either sat Saturday, su- Sunday night, after I'd already recorded the episode and had the episode ready to queued up to go Monday morning. The the story of the week breaks. We we see the wildest story come about, and it's initially I was like, uh, like, do I even end up talking about it because it's going to be such old news by the time I'm able to even talk about it? But no, it's it's not old news because. People will not let this story die. What's the story I'm talking about? Of course, I'm talking about Will Smith at the Oscars, uh, smacking, slapping Chris Rock, putting his hands on this man over a joke that he made on stage about Will's wife. I've been back and forth on this. For a fairly long time. Of course, I would get a scam likely call right now. Um, I've been back and forth on my thoughts on this situation. Because, I mean, I've been in those situations before where, you know, you're just emotionally charged, you know, in regards to something regarding your, your, your queen, your partner, and all that stuff. I get that. I've been there. So I can understand that part of it. Uh... One thing I will say is I think in no in no way do I feel like anyone should condemn Chris Rock, by the way. I can't condemn Chris Rock for, for making the joke. Chris Rock is there to make the joke. That's what he's there for. And I think one of the biggest uh, parts of that, of like him making the joke, is people saying, well, uh, you shouldn't make a joke about, uh, you, you shouldn't make a joke about another man's wife. 
To which I say, okay, hold on, pause. Should he make a joke about a member of the academy? Should he should he like exclusively only make jokes about people who are part of the academy, other actors and actresses, like celebrities? Because if that's the case, we cannot uh we can't categorize Jada Pinkett Smith as just Will Smith's wife. She is not just Will Smith's wife. She is an actress in her own right. She is a celebrity in her own right. She's not there as like Will Smith's no-name wife. So in that sense, much like every other celebrity there who gets gets tossed at because that's why you that's why you get comedians to do these award shows. Uh these actors and actresses, like they're they're catching darts, they're catching shots all night. That's kind of part of the thing, right? So you can't necessarily say that she's not fair game. So do with that information what you will. I don't Chris Rock is not wrong at all. If anything, I he I think he showed so much, like, in the way that he handled it. It was, like, he's just really, like, he's a true, true professional. Because a lot of other individuals would have handled that a lot differently. So, Chris Rock is a saint, and I hope that he just he just thrives. I heard his ticket, uh, his ticket price went up. From like, went went up exponentially. So good for him, good for Chris Rock on that, right? Will, I think. I mean, I think he he definitely. So the parts that I think he handled it wrong, because I understand the notion of like, yo, you have to address a joke. You have to address if your you know your wife is feeling, however she felt. I don't think Chris Rock showed any malintent. Even in making the the G.I. Jane joke, he, you know, he said, like, Jada, I love you. Like, he was very lighthearted. He wasn't being aggressive, wasn't being rude or disrespectful in any way, shape, or form. I don't feel. I think he's just doing what he does on that stage. And Will laughed as well. Um, I... My my own thought is that it would be a, it would be something that you would address after the like you would address that behind the scenes. I don't think you, I don't know that it's the right move to address it the way he did on, you know, on international television. Handle it that way it was wild, right? A quote that I heard uh, said that really just like applies very well to this is you gotta learn to mentally respond and not emotionally react and will smith definitely emotionally reacted on this one it was it was a very just emotional reaction and i think we're gonna see just a lot of backlash for it i think there's just been so much uh smith family drama these these like very recent years 
with all of the red table talk stuff uh the i you know the the jada pink and smith uh and tupac love stuff coming back up so heavily to where she's like writing like they're writing like writing letters to tupac uh the entanglement stuff like there's just so many just just so much smith family drama that it i mean it is easy to see to me it's i mean it isn't weird to say yeah maybe this is the uh the the backlash and the exploding of a man's mental health just really taking so many blows and so many shots over the years that he's just like completely uh just become unhinged you know um we've seen now that will smith has resigned from the academy what that means i have no fucking idea i'll be honest i don't I saw the story. I was just like, whoa, he's resigned from the Academy. And then I was just like, yo, what does that even mean? I don't, I, I don't know. Remember people, it's okay to say that you don't know something because I have no idea what that means. I just know that it's happened. The Academy has said that they were going to be, uh, placing some, you know, there'd be some, some consequences. I don't know what that means either. I don't know what they can do. I don't know. Because it's like, well, I don't, it's not like Will Smith works for y'all, does he? I, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how actor live, how, how that works, right? Um, I will say, and it's a, a take that I've heard multiple people say, is that Will Smith would not have done that to someone else, right? And I firmly agree with that. I firmly agree with that. If that was anyone else, there's no way in hell if it was anyone else. Because that's that part I do think is uh, riddled in cowardice to uh, physically slap a man who you are much larger than. So it's a much smaller man, right? You slap him because you know already. If we get into a physical altercation, if you do want to take it there, there's a very, very good chance I can handle you. Very good chance I can handle you. That to me is sucker shit. Off rip, right? Uh, and then though, not only do I already feel like I can handle you, I'm gonna smack you and I'm gonna turn my back to you because A, I know I can handle you, and B, I know your hands are tied on what you're willing to, where you're willing to take it right now. Because this is your job. You're hosting this thing. That sucker shit. Because, um, I mean, anyone, like, that's rule number one of any physical altercation is you never just turn your back on someone that, you, that you're trying to set it off with. Nah, I'm facing forward the whole time. And if I need a... If I need to move in the opposite direction of you, I'm backing away because I am still not turning turning my back to you. No way. Not happening. So it's, it was definitely an emotional unhinging there that I think we that we really saw. You know? I 
definitely feel like it's opened a bit of a can of worms for the Smith family because now it's the thing that people will talk about for a very long time. They're not going to talk about it won't be as much about Chris Rock and him getting slapped. It'll be about Will Smith losing his fucking mind. It'll be about Will Smith and it'll be like re- it'll be really I think if he had he not reacted that way, the G.I. Jane joke would have just would have just gone away. It would have been nothing because I can tell you right now. Tell me, tell me, there's plenty of jokes told at the Oscars, plenty of other jokes told. Tell me three, tell me two other jokes, one other joke that might have like caught as much traction. I'll wait. I think there was maybe another joke said to um, the Smith family, and it might have been about entanglements. And it might have been uh, Regina uh, Regina King. No, it was Regina Hall, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Regina Hall. Yes. And nothing. Nobody popped off. Nobody smacked her. So, yeah, I think I've already started seeing the the Photoshop posters of G.I. Jane 2 and all this stuff. Like, y'all, yeah, y'all just, you took it where it, it didn't need to go. And I think this is going to, it's going to stick around for a bit now. It's not going to go anywhere for a while. So, yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah do, do with that information what y'all will. But social media going to keep eating this one alive, you know. Uh, speaking of social media, just uh, eating one alive. Um, it's just an update. Last week, I had mentioned uh, Chica, who was in the middle of just like a bit of a just mental health breakdown and depression. And so she's a, she's an artist, a black female artist. She was alluding to the possibility of take, like taking her own life. Uh, and I mean, it was, I think things like that will always sadden me. Um, and where it ended up was, well, thankfully she did not do that, which was great. Uh, but I mean, social media in and of itself is just such, it's a place where just everyone, everyone has a voice. So you, you know, you're seeing these people who are saying, you know, as she's obviously going through some mental issues and self-admitted depression, there are people on social media saying that, you know, she's just doing it for attention and she's, you know, she's just clout chasing. And her response is, yo, I just want to be left alone. Like, can can y'all just leave me alone, like, all together? Just leave me alone. I get that. Like, so, I mean, hopefully, hopefully she can just be left alone because... So social media as a, and this is why like I I love seeing the numbers where new people listen to this podcast, but damn it, if I ever become famous off of some shit and 
like, I, and I'm just bothered to that extent. Like, I don't wish that shit on nobody because it looks stressful. It doesn't look fun. It really doesn't. All right. It really doesn't. Um, and then speaking of it, continuing the conversation of it just not seeming to be fun. We're seeing a very similar thing kind of happening now with Doja Cat. Doja Cat is saying that she wants to quit music. Now, she is currently on tour with The Weeknd. And in the latest, she said that she would finish out the tour with The Weeknd. And then after that, she's done. She's like, nah, I'm, I'm cool with this. Y'all can have it. I kind of get it. I kind of get it. People are, uh, I, I, I can see how you can get burnt out in, in that space, you know? Uh, and that's kind of, that's what it's looking like we're seeing. I think, especially with Doja Cat, who I think in the span of the last, I know she's been doing music for, for a while now, but it was really in the span of like the last, like, what, two to three years or so? And she's really exploded to uh, to these heights where it's just like, yo, this, this might be more than I, I might have bit off more than I can chew here. This is, this is kind of whack, you know? And I think that's what we're seeing. We're, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of that from her. I mean, I hope she doesn't quit music. Um, because I do, I do believe she is very talented. Um, you know, so, but I also think that for the sake of her mental health, I hope she does what's best for her mental health. As much as I know fans want to hear from her, fans want her music and all that stuff. But it's like, ah, uh, but do what's best for you though. You know? So hopefully, hopefully. Probably the last topic I have on social media. Well, maybe. But um, I did see the recent trend of just people saying to delete Facebook. Uh, not going to spend too much time on this. I'll be honest. I don't think Facebook's going to go anywhere ever. I think Facebook has done an incredible job as far as learning the pitfalls and the downfalls of the social media platforms of yesteryear like the myspaces of the world and i don't think they're going to go anywhere i think they have figured out how to truly uh stay in the game they've made the right purchases they've made the right expansions, they're not going to go anywhere. I think no matter how much delete Facebook trends on Twitter, I don't think Facebook's going to go anywhere anytime soon, if ever. Meta is here to stay, y'all. It really is. It really, really is. You know? So. Uh, what am I even talking about? <clears throat> Uh, well, man, like two two more things on social media, and it's really just kind of seeing. Because this is why I think Facebook isn't going to go anywhere, is because I just think that there's never going to be enough uh, 
platforms and spaces for people to just go and voice their opinions, whether they're wrong or whether they're right. So that's kind of why I don't think it'll be a little, I don't think we're going to lose that, that platform. Uh, in my just, I feel like I constantly end up in as much as I'm, I'm not a fan of the Kardashians, not a fan of like, just, I'm just not, a, I, it's, they are like peak celebrity, like we're, we're famous because we're famous and not because we're talented at something. It, I'm just, I'm not a fan of that kind of fame. Uh, but this one was hilarious. This is more, and this is about Rob Kardashian, but, uh, Black China, who has a child with Rob Kardashian and with Tyga was on social media kind of, you know, just what was me on there about how she had to uh, turn in a few of her vehicles and pretty much saying like, yo, money's low. I don't, I don't get child support from any, I don't get any sort of support financially from any of my children's fathers. To which Rob Kardashian, this white king, came up and said, yo, I I spend I spend this many days with our child. I think he said like four to like four to five, something like that. I pay for our child's uh schooling, uh all expenses, I pay everything for our child. What the fuck do I gotta give you child support for? Man, I loved every bit of it. I loved every bit of it because um, I've seen far too often. I'm not talking about my personal life, people. Don't want you taking anything I'm saying on this topic and try to like make it, you know, make it seem like I'm divulging my personal uh, situations in life. I don't, I don't do that on this podcast. All right. But I've seen far too instances where, uh, people use their children for, um, for, for financial gain. And I think it's nasty. I think it's nasty. All right. I've seen instances where women will have children with multiple men, multiple men, uh, four, four kids from four different men and trying to get money from all of them. That shit is wild to me, yo. Wild. So, yeah, uh, babies ain't paychecks. Like, y'all gotta, y'all gotta figure y'all own shit out. So, that's just my take. Somebody different, somebody has a different... A, di- a different uh, thought process around the whole child support conversation. I'd be happy to. I'd be happy to entertain it. Be happy to talk about it. But that's that's my take on it. I mean, so so the Umbrella Academy, a show that I don't watch. First of all, I will say, 
Um, they've announced that in this new season, Elliot Page's character, um, Elliot Page, trans actor, he, uh, I think since the last season of the show was filmed, he transitioned, and they're now having his character transition as well to kind of line up with, you know, with his life. And social media was pissed. They were like, well, oh, you know, he's an actor, so he's supposed to uh, just fit whatever the role is, not have the role fit him. And, and then there were a lot of people purposely misgendering him, which I, I mean, I always think it's fucked up. Um, at least I say, I say that now after I've just like learned a lot about just like trans people from having a trans friend and just being able to like really understand and know what all these things mean. Right. And yeah, there wasn't, there was an uproar. I don't understand. I get the, so I get the reasoning for the uproar, I think is not about that. It's not about a role being adjusted to fit an actor because we've seen that before. We've seen that on television. We've seen, you know, I think in, in the show friends, when Lisa Kudrow's character, when Lisa Kudrow, uh, found out she was pregnant, they didn't write her off the show for the season. They just made her character Phoebe pregnant in the show. They figured out a reason why Phoebe would be pregnant. And she was pregnant. And she just worked pregnant. That wasn't a planned thing. It's not like they were like really, you know, looking to have Phoebe be pregnant on the show. No, they, they adjusted. So, I mean, I think the issue is, is that just there's still this very strong, uh, lack of understanding as it pertains to uh trans anything and i think that's where we'll always find ourselves in these kind of situations where it's uh the people with the least amount of knowledge and the most ignorance are the ones with the loudest microphones and the loudest voices and that's that's really that's that's how i feel about it so uh, shout out Elliot Page. Do do your thing, bro. Do your thing. I think it's dope. I can't be told different. I'll be honest. I cannot be told different. I think it's dope. Like, get get your chips. All right. So I think Umbrella Company. I think Umbrella Academy. I think it's on Netflix. Maybe I'll watch it one day. I don't know. What I have watched. I've been like just getting back heavy into my Netflix documentary uh, bag because oftentimes, again, I and I think I might have said this before on the pod. I don't often have the luxury of time to just sit and like binge watch shows or documentaries and stuff as much as I as much as I would want to. But I've made it a point since like last week. Um. I've watched, I've watched a couple. There are two in particular that I want to talk about because they gained a lot of traction on social media that I thought was just like, yo, like, are these really popping like that? 
The first one I watched was Bad Vegan, right? Both of these are scammy ones, of course. Scamming, scammers. Bad Vegan was the first one that I watched. It is about um, a vegan chef who ends up just, it's a while, she's scammed out of, what is it, like $1.5, $2 million? I think it's at 1.5 from her, and then I think like another like half a mil from, from her mom. So like this guy got away with like two mil from them. And something I saw on Twitter about this, about this and the other documentary, is how easily accessible it is for um for a white person to like obtain a loan is wild. Like there is it seems very easy that they could just go and like obtain obtain capital. And we and that's like shown in spades during both of these documentaries. So first one, like Bad Vegan, she is just like scammed. And it's like this story of the the guy that she was dating and he's this uh fucking like it, he he puts this story together that he's this uh secret agent black ops type person and he has this super elaborate like plan that he is quickly able to like manipulate her into into buying in and he starts getting her to send him money as part of this grander thing and he's saying just believe in everything i'm saying i promise you you'll get your happily ever after and like all of this shit this is cap obviously but it's wild it's super wild. I'm just like watching the whole thing. And I'm just like, yo, like, and she kept saying, well, because after a while, let's say you get, pa- you, you pass that, you pass that hundred thousand threshold because she's sending money on like $10,000 kind of increments. She was like, well, if I were to walk away from him and all this at any point in time, it's like, well, how do I get my money back then? Do I just admit that I, I just, it's lost? Or do I continue this in the hopes that there is still a chance that I can get my money back? And she continued it, and she just kept getting just eaten alive. And it was just wild. And if I thought that was wild, I then went on and watched uh, Tinder Swindler, which wow, that guy was next level. The Tinder Swindler guy was extremely next level with it. And for all intent and purposes, I mean, he got away with it. Like, he 100% got away with this thing, though. The Tinder Swindler's gimmick was he convinces 
a woman that he is extremely wealthy. Uh, while he's, can, and you know, he's, you know, flying her around, doing all of this stuff, kind of like just really winning her over. Right? He's this like prince of diamonds. He's winning her over and all of this stuff. And then something comes up, something catastrophic happens. All of his funds are frozen temporarily. Uh, I believe it was something like his father was just being accused of something and like his funds are being frozen because he's being investigated. And he now asks his girlfriend, who he's proven to that he has wealth, I need you to like send me money. I need you to put a, a, take out a loan in your name, put a card in your name that I can use, and then I'll pay you back. And the woman would go and take out however much in loans. And he would end up get he would pretty much end up uh, spending about a quarter of a million dollars under a woman's name. Right? What he was doing was he was spending that money on the next girl to prove to the next girl that he was wealthy. And so continues the cycle. So when he met the, the first chick in the documentary, the money that he was spending on her was money that he was getting from the girl before. And so on and so forth. The documentary ends with him, I mean, spoiler alert, but yeah, he does some jail time for, for scamming for, for scamming some people, very minimal jail time, and then he's a free man. He's a free man living in luxury still, where he's getting, and he has a real relationship now. Where he's gotten money from, I don't know. They didn't say. They said he was doing some, you know, he was providing some financial advice to people. He was, I'm sure he didn't blow all of the money that he, he had gotten. And then all of the girls that were in the documentary that he scammed were all still paying for the debt. That motherfucker won. He really won. And I was shocked to see it. Uh, before, before we get into sports, and... It's a conspiracy that kind of it came to mind. So last week, I went to a birthday party. Uh, I went to a birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese. Super cute. Shout out to shout out to you know little you know pr Princess Ari. She's adorable. It was her sixth birthday. Happy birthday to you, Queen. Right. Uh. So I was talking to, you know, having my my usual Monday morning conversation with my coworkers. Hey, what you do this weekend? What you do this weekend? And I say, well, yeah, you know, I went to a went to a you know little, little kitty birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese. And they were like, oh, and they're like, do you know about the Chuck E. Cheese conspiracy about their pizza? I say, no, tell me more. 
They were like, so, the conspiracy about Chuck E. Cheese pizza is that when you don't finish your pizza, they don't throw it out. They put it together with other incomplete pies of pizza and reserve it to the next guests. Where this has come about is in looking at photos of some of the pies of pizza. Anytime you've, if you've ever, if you've ever like gotten a whole pizza, it's, it's a circle that like everything, like they, they all connect. You, you see some, you know, some consistency around like, all right, yeah, this is all one circle, like all of that, right? Uh, not the case with Chuck E. Cheese all the time, as, as these photos claim. You see these very impossible circles that would not have come from, that it, 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 there's, it's impossible for it to have been the same pizza. Because a pizza wouldn't cook that way. It wouldn't be these weird shapes and hard edges. I don't know. And I, I wish I would have known about that conspiracy before I went to this birthday party. Because I would have done some heavier investigating. But yo, could you imagine? Could you imagine? Looking at the, like, the photos I saw were definitely like, nah, these weren't the same pizza. The pizzas that I saw last week, they, I mean, nothing caught my attention, but I also wasn't looking for it. I don't know. I don't know. I, I might have to ask Josemir and see if he took any photos of the pizza and see if any, any of that got, got in there so that we can confirm and get to the bottom of this, you know? So something, something to see there. Now on to sports. First thing that I wanted to, first thing to talk about is the NFL changing of the overtime rule. This always happens anytime there's a ultra and eventually I will say we will end up at this current path. We're gonna end up at like how college does it, where it's just like a back and forth until one person doesn't score. Like, I do foresee that happening. The rule change comes after the uh, Kansas City Chiefs uh, playoff game versus the Buffalo Bills, where... Kansas City won the coin toss. They went down. They scored. Game over. People were like, well, uh, Buffalo should have had a chance with the ball. Now, mind you, this change, because if, if Kansas City would have kicked a field goal, then Buffalo would have gotten the ball. That change came about many years prior when the Minnesota Vikings, being led by Brett Favre, went up against the New Orleans Saints. And it was a, a shootout of a game, went into overtime. Saints won the coin toss, they went down, kicked the field goal, game over, Brett Favre never got a chance to get on the field again. 
that's what caused the change to the overtime rules then, where it's like, all right, well, if you just kick a field goal, the other team is going to get the ball. Now, after what happened last postseason, well, if you just go down and score a touchdown, the other team is going to get the ball. It's a slippery slope, I will say. I do love it. I do love it because... You know, I think it does it does serve a purpose, especially in some of these super high-profile games. When I have that back and forth, I believe this change is only effective in the playoffs right now. We'll we'll see how it goes, but I, it does seem like a slippery slope to me. It does seem like a very very slippery slope. Speaking of slippery slopes, we are now at the last week of the NBA season playoffs are upon us and two teams that were expected to be honestly at the maybe the higher half of their respective conferences um LA Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets are if it wasn't for this little playing tournament that they're doing, they would be all the way the fuck out. They would be all the way out if it wasn't for this playing tournament. One is, I believe Brooklyn is at the 10 seed right now, and they're just trying to like hang on and be the 10 seed of the play-in. And the Lakers are at 11. Wild. I do think the Lakers end up in the playoffs. I will say, I do believe so. I do. Uh, I mean, and I, I, I say that based on just the fact that, like, just veteran leadership and all of that, I, I still have faith that old, old Bronny James can do it. But we'll see. Brooklyn, I hope nothing good happens for I really, like, I've been saying it from the beginning, this Brooklyn experiment was not going to work, and it hasn't been working, and man, do I feel glorious about that. And now the fact that they've dropped all the way down to, like, the 10 seed is, yeah, it's wild. I, it's just, it's just not working. It's not working. The Celtics are thriving, though, and I think that is beautiful to see. And I could not be could not be happier for how the Celtics are looking going into the playoffs. I think it's gonna be I think they're gonna have a good run. I really I really do. Right? So looking forward to that. More on the playoffs when we get to the playoffs. And I'll provide a you know breakdown of just what I think is gonna happen there. Now we talk about some real sports. WrestleMania. Mania season, people. Mania is here. Last night, night one of WrestleMania. I'll I'll be honest, and I think I might have said this on the pod before. We're gonna we're gonna get a really good WrestleMania this year. Uh I think they said it was like 77,000 people in attendance. Which, I mean, I think last last time they were there, five or six years ago, they had like over 100,000. So maybe 
I don't know if because of COVID protocols, they weren't able to like max it out like they did before, or if it was just like, nah, we couldn't pack this place out like that for two nights straight. It was a little wild. But WrestleMania uh, night one has happened. Also, NXT Stand and Deliver uh, was it was actually yeah they actually had Stand and Deliver the same night as WrestleMania Night One in the arena, which was actually pretty cool, just super dope, right? Um, weird that yeah they they're no longer doing takeovers, which is interesting to me. I don't know how I feel about that just yet. I, I don't know. I only saw a little bit of it looking at like the highlights of like the ladder matches and ladder match and like the different um, tag matches and, and stuff like that. Like it did look cool. It looked like a good show. I still, I haven't watched the whole thing, so I can't speak on it way too much. But WrestleMania night one was really good. I think it was really good across the board. Um, Usos look good. Uh, McIntyre and Happy Corbin was a lot better than I would have expected. Shout out to Happy Corbin for like having having lasted this long with a true finisher that was protected all this time. Because up until last night or Saturday night, no one is kicked out of the end of days. That was a moment. That was a really awesome moment. Uh, Miz and Logan Paul versus the Mysterios. Logan Paul did a lot better than I thought he would. Definitely think he did a lot better than I thought he would. He was really good at just drawing so much heat from the crowd. That was great. That was really great. I think his selling was off every now and again. I definitely think that. So the match ends. Miz, Miz and Logan Paul uh, win it. I definitely think that uh, when the Miz, so Miz turns on Logan Paul and hits him with a skull crushing finale. And Logan Paul kind of no-sells it and just gets back up on his feet. And I, and I was just like, wow, this fucking asshole. He, he no-sold it and was just very confused by it. But, like, you're, you're supposed to supposed to sit there and, and, and sell the move. I stand by. I mean, he, he did good. The measuring stick for celebrity, uh, celebrity wrestling appearances will forever, the benchmark will forever be Bad Bunny. Untouchable. Bad Bunny is still the best celebrity to go into the ring and have a match. Still Bad Bunny. Not even close. Not even close. People who say, people who say Pat McAfee, I don't necessarily put him in that category. Because, yes, Pat McAfee was a, uh, yes, he was an NFL, uh, NFL player, yes. 
but he actually like after his NFL career was done pursued wrestling he was like yes like I want to like I'm going to train I'm going to do like he's actually pursuing a wrestling career that's different same goes for Ronda Rousey it's no I'm pursuing a wrestling career now if you're pursuing a career then you're not a celebrity who's just coming in to do a match and then getting out of here no you're trying to make wrestling your thing Bad Bunny loves wrestling but he's not making wrestling his thing He's not trying to, you know, go through the, the, trying to, you know, build programs and do all this. No, he's just like, nah, I love wrestling. This is a dream of mine to even be in a ring. So, yeah, Bad Bunny, he's still, like, the top. He's still the one. Bianca Belair beating Becky Lynch was amazing for so many reasons because Bianca won won the championship WrestleMania last year. And this is just beautiful storytelling. She won the championship WrestleMania last year. Uh, Fast forward to SummerSlam later the same year. And it's the huge return of Becky Lynch. After Becky had uh, gone away. Because she was, you know, she was pregnant, had a baby. and she was just off TV for like 16 months. It was her triumphant return. And she returns and beats Bianca in under a minute for the championship at SummerSlam. And then since from SummerSlam to Saturday night, it's been Bianca Belair working to try and avenge that loss. And working towards that. And it was a slow build. From SummerSlam. To Saturday night. And Bianca comes out. And she's got the marching band. I love how unapologetically black. Bianca Belair is. It's so beautiful to see. And they have an amazing match together. And. Bianca finally. Get, she finally avenges that loss. And I think it was awesome. I think it was really awesome. Uh, the next match on the card, it's Seth Rollins versus uh, an opponent of Vince McMahon's choosing, which by all intent and purposes, we all knew at that point that it was going to be Cody Rhodes. But it was kind of like, a, we know it's going to be Cody but what Cody are we going to get? Because this is now Cody going back to WWE. What Cody is it going to be? And uh, it was great. To, it was, I mean, again, we, we never, never saw Cody. It was never, it was just like, you'll find out at Mania. And we get the American nightmare. Wrestling has more than one royal family grandson of a plumber Cody Rhodes with the music with the the logo with the the uh with the jacket and everything he is just like in full 
like post WWE, like this is who, like this is who I am. I'm the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. And he gets over on Seth. Huge pop from the crowd. Great match between him and Seth. At one point, Seth says, "Welcome back to the big leagues, bitch." Amazing. You have an amazing match. Uh, Cody even does a tribute to uh, to his late father, Dusty Rhodes, with the old, with the bionic elbow. And it was it was really really great. And I stand by something that I said on this podcast before, where I don't think like. I'd be very, very hard pressed to believe that Cody is good, that Cody would be anything less than in a uh, significant, in significant storylines, in areas of importance. He's not going to just be, you know, just wrestling for the, the U.S. title or something like that. Like, no, Cody Rhodes is going to be in that world title picture because it's what we've always seen from stars who are coming back to WWE after becoming big stars elsewhere. They always get that world championship treatment when you come back. That's just the reality of it. That's just what happens. And especially with Cody Rhodes coming back and having his recent music that he also used at AEW. You know, the American Nightmare look and the American Nightmare everything none of it is anything that WWE created so they don't own any of it so if they're if they're having him do all of this you bet your ass that they're going to put him in a position where they can make money off of this and the only way to make money off of it is by putting him in those uh in those um places in those spots So I'm really looking forward to see see what happens. Um, I do feel like maybe we'll get another another Seth Rollins match with Cody. Yeah, I think that one was so good, and I think it it will be Seth will definitely have to get he'll get his win back. He'll get his win back for sure. I think WWE loves to make sure that people get their win back. I think he'll get his win back. Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey was next. And this was easily Ronda Rousey's best match. Bar none. Bar none. I think every Ronda Rousey match. <clears throat> yeah, she's looked, you know, she's definitely looked good, but they've always been these kind of like squash type matches that are like, you know, just very much catering to the fact that Ronda Rousey's a world champion and uh, she was a you know women's champion in in the UFC and just trying to kind of treat her like the female Brock Lesnar in a lot of ways and I mean I mean she is in a lot of ways but I think the biggest difference there is that she doesn't have there's not that same like size discrepancy as there is between Brock Lesnar and a lot of other dudes, so you can't, so, it, I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't make for a very entertaining match all the time if she's just squashing people, because it's like, well, I mean, you're, you're not really ragdolling them around either, you know, 
But her and Charlotte Flair had an amazing match. Amazing match. I loved every bit. I loved that match. And I loved how Charlotte won in, in the not of cleanest ways. Because you, you need that. You need for, it can't just be like, you know, it's, it's Rousey always getting over. Before this, the only loss that Ronda Rousey took was in that triple threat main event at Mania with her, Charlotte, and Becky. Where Becky won in, I mean, it was a fluky, like, crucifix pin. It was weird, and I don't think, I still don't believe that was supposed to be the finish, because it just didn't, for two reasons. I don't think it was supposed to be the finish, and it definitely wasn't, because A, they've never shown that shit again. You've never seen that again, ever. It's never been replayed. And it just, yeah, it just, it felt awkward. It felt weird. So maybe Ronda just didn't kick out in time. I don't know. But this was like an amazing, an amazing match that I think Ronda needed to lose so that if she is looking to continue her, continue a run in WWE, you, you gotta, you gotta like be at least a little beatable for it to be entertaining. Otherwise, if people just think that you're never gonna lose, after a while it does grow stale. You know, so I think that was that was really good. Uh, and then the main event of this thing was it was all like the the KO show with Stone Cold Steve Austin as the special guest, and this was awesome. For a lot of reasons. First of all, shout out to like Kevin Owens being a lifelong Stone Cold Steve Austin fan and being able to like main event WrestleMania with Stone Cold. And he then calls out Austin for a match and says, yeah, no, I want to fight. And they have a little no holds barred match to close out WrestleMania in Dallas, Texas. Amazing. It was just amazing. It was, it was great to see. It wasn't it wasn't like a a five-star match. It wasn't any of those things. It was just really great to see. So, Night 1 of WrestleMania was awesome. It was really awesome. Looking forward to Night 2. There's a lot of great matches in Night 2 that I'm looking forward to seeing. Um definitely looking forward to seeing Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory because I mean, everything Pat McAfee does is it's I'm a fan of Pat McAfee. I really am. You know, uh, looking forward to seeing, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the, uh, the Raw Tag Team title match, uh, with RK Bro versus Street Profits versus the Alpha Academy, because I do think that this might be where we see Randy Orton turn on Riddle. I think it's, I, I think it might be tonight. We see Orton turn on Riddle and, uh, and you kind of set up for Riddle to to just finally get that singles run. I think he's, you know, he's, and I think also Orton maybe transitioning to more of like that legend role, you know. So I think we do see that tonight. Definitely looking forward to seeing Edge versus AJ Styles. I think that's going to be an amazing match. Um, and then, of course, uh, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. My guess is still that Roman Reigns 
ends up winning it and unifying the titles and really just solidifying and continue to build on this thing because I think it's it's really everything that WWE has done with Lesnar since his return, uh, since his like initial return back into wrestling with conquering everyone, conquering Cena, conquering Triple H, conquering uh, The Undertaker and, and The Streak, uh, conquering Roman Reigns multiple times. Like they've built up Brock Lesnar in such a way and they need to, they need to transfer that somewhere. He can't just keep all of that. Very similar to like when, you know, the streak needed to end. It was like, yo, Undertaker needs to give this streak. He needs to put it somewhere. All right, we're going to give it. To, we're going to put it over to Lesnar then and continue to build him. Yo, Cena, he's he's wrapping up too. All right, we're going to put it in. We're going to put it in Lesnar. So Lesnar still has all of this momentum. He still has all of this. And I think that's where, you know, we, we're going to see it all go to Reigns. And it'll be just building Roman Reigns to be this, like, just wild monstrosity, uh, you know, just God mode, you know, the tribal chief, all of this stuff. Tribal chief, all of this. And he's just, like, unstoppable, virtually. So, that that's my hope. I'll be watching it. Um, I'll likely be tweeting about it. Um, been doing that a lot more. That's it's just fun, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, very, I, I'm telling you, this is this is a very, very good, um, WrestleMania, uh, and there's like a bunch of other like wrestling events and wrestling related things because that's one thing about WrestleMania is that they, all other promotions kind of flock to WrestleMania weekend to also have it be their big weekend, and I saw like you know Ring of Honor. Uh, had Samoa Joe return, and Samoa Joe is officially now part of All Elite Wrestling, so we'll be seeing him on Dynamite. I'll talk about that next week when I actually see him on Dynamite, and we'll see what you know what's going on with Samoa Joe. Um, last thing that I wanted to talk about in regards to just wrestling is the Hall of Fame ceremony. What and it's I haven't watched the Hall of Fame ceremony in some time, and honestly, it was beautiful. They, and I, I hope they keep it this way as far as from a formatting standpoint. I think the reason why I hadn't watched the Hall of Fame ceremony in so long is because they used to have these very large classes of like eight or nine different people all getting inducted in the same year. It'd be this long drawn out ceremony. Like, nah, nah. This year, it was like four inductees the warrior award and that was it and and they just went through those like five you know five kind of stories five um sets of like you know induction speeches and acceptance speeches um and it was it was really really awesome it was really awesome really good uh the steiners getting inducted was um was really cool it's cool to see Braun Breaker actually. I I really do hope that they I would love for him to have the name Steiner, to be honest. And I'm I'm hopeful that maybe 
the whole Hall of Fame thing ends up uh, leading to them like a bit of a name change to to something Steiner. We'll see. I think that was really cool. It was really I I would have never imagined that I would see fucking Scott Steiner in a WWE ring again. Mm -mm. Did not see that coming. Man was banned for years. For years. That just lets me know that they're really going to be pushing Braun Breaker. Braun Breaker is going to be pushed to the fucking moon, people. That's going to happen. Uh, then we had uh, Queen Charmel getting inducted. And I'll be honest, I thought the crowd was going to troll Queen Charmel. But I think it was something about Booker T and the way that he gave his induction speech about his wife that really helped remind people just how great of a character she was and why she's deserving of a place in the WWE Hall of Fame. Why she's deserving of her own place. Not as part of like, you know, not, not as like, it wasn't King Booker and Queen Charmel. It's no, no, no. This is just Queen Charmel because of how amazing of a character she was. Uh, and yeah, the crowd really, like, by the time she came out, Booker had done such a great job putting her over. They were bowing. Bowing. They were just like, yep, Queen Char, all hail Queen Charmel. That was beautiful. Uh, then we got the Warrior Award for Shad Gaspard and... I'll be honest, I man, my I got my eyes got watery because that story will always make my that that it'll always strike a chord with me. For those of you who don't know, Shad Gaspar, uh, former WWE superstar, wrestled as part of the tag team Crime Time. Uh, almost two years ago, tragically lost his life. Uh. He was, he was out with his son. I believe they were swimming, and they were they were caught, caught caught in a riptide. And when the lifeguards, the coast guard, got to Shad, and it's a it's a moment that like I, as a father, I, I would do the exact same thing. And without thinking twice, and that's just pure just personification of what it is that a father does. Shad instructed the lifeguards to save his son first. Essentially saying, yo, save my son first. Save me only if you can. That's exactly what they did. They saved his son. Uh, and And then Shad was... They they weren't able to get to him in time, and he and that's that was his last heroic act. And they they honored him. Uh, his his wife and son accepted the award. His tag team partner JTG escorted them to the ring, which was beautiful to see. And yeah, it was it was just very just yeah. It, it was hard not to not to cry. I'll be honest. Uh, Vader was inducted, which was um, also just amazing to see. 
you you really just I think a lot of, it was definitely taken for granted just how much uh how amazing he was for a man his size. And then last but not least, the Undertaker was inducted and that was amazing to see for so many reasons because of the fact that he's just someone who has he said it, he's like I've for the last like for the last 30 years I've been the undertaker like that's all you've known I've been the undertaker and that's it and I could have easily waited until I could have easily waited until after I had passed a past to let you then find out who Mark Calloway is but I want to make sure that y'all y'all saw who I am now and we saw like it was a version of him that we've never seen it was him talking about his faith it was him talking about you know his his wife and kids talking about his friendships his connections with the with different performers thanking people behind the scenes whose names you've never heard before it, like him show, truly showing just heavy amount of appreciation for Vince McMahon um at one point someone in the crowd yelled yelled out I love you and he you know responded I love you too what the undertaker loves oh, yeah it was really beautiful if if you've not watched the Hall of Fame ceremony I just do yourself a favor watch the Hall of Fame ceremony it was actually just amazing and if you don't want to watch the whole Hall of Fame ceremony, watch the Undertaker speech because that in and of itself was just amazing. Amazing. So, yeah, that's all I've got. That's all I got today. Um, next week, I'll be able to get into night two of WrestleMania and the Raw after WrestleMania and, and all things, um, along with just whatever other madness happens in the world. If, Who's Will Smith going to be smacking this week? I don't know, but we'll we'll find out. Um, as always, some ships float, some ships sink, but the best ships are friendships, and to those ships, we drink. Cheers, y'all. As always, peace, love, all the above. Thank y'all for tuning in. Tune in next week. I'm out. Peace.